You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve, and this is a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailer and behind the scenes and returning again this week because they're permanent hosts. I don't know why I say it like that. Is Chris and Brad. Brad, tell the good folks out there who this show is sponsored by. This week, our new sponsor this week is brought to us by MidwestHomeGigolos.com for when you need a gigolo but don't have the time to go out and get one yourself. Just have one delivered right to your door with MidwestHomeGigolos.com. You know, I could have really used that about three weeks ago. I'm uh, disappointed. I'm I'm wondering if they give us free samples. It's like, fellas, you know, the wife needs a Mother's Day gift. There you go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Gigolos? I thought it was Gigolos. (laughs) I'm an idiot. No, I think I maybe misspelled it. I know what I knew what you meant. (laughs) trust me they're they're definitely gonna come back and use this again to read there i mean because brad does such a good job thank god chris isn't reading the the advertisements (laughs) chris introduce to the people what the hell we watched this week in our if you guys can't figure out this is the third mad max film we're doing so which one is it it's it's mad max 3 thunderdome beyond thunderdome beyond thunderdome they already did thunderdome and now we're beyond thunderdome yeah you know when i watch a manly car movie like this i like to sit down have myself a nice bud light Mm. damn straight Mm. fucking real man oh i can feel my testicles getting bigger we got blue moon it's the same company someone is clearly the alpha here the alpha male he's letting (laughs) us know just fucking dominating right now Ah, uh, yeah. Um, you know what makes this joke even better is this isn't fully cold yet. Ooh! <laughs> Not only does it taste bad, it tastes worse. Mm. Mm. Oh, I think I'll go back to scotch. Oh, it's a little rough. Uh, needs a needs about twenty degrees down, I think. Uh, but anyway, as you can tell, I'm I'm now manly enough to review Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I mean, let's let's you guys want to watch the trailer first or do we want to hear Brad's beautiful voice read off the quick facts? I mean the quick facts, all right. So this again was directed by Dr. George Miller and his good buddy George Ogilvy. Um the reason it was not directed by uh It was uh what Brian Kennedy. Brian Kennedy yeah. was that uh yeah, Brian Kennedy had passed away in a motorcycle accident before this. No, I thought it was a helicopter accident. Helicopter accident, my bad. Yeah, helicopter yeah. accident. Which is crazy. I mean, not to interrupt you right here, but it's crazy. I think he was doing, um, he was like checking out locations for this film. I would, I don't know if I just, I think the film would be cursed at that point. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do this. My best friend just died. Fuck. I wouldn't want to do it. No. All right, Brad. So, yeah, it was written by Terry Hayes, who also wrote Payback, starring Mel Gibson and George Miller, based on characters by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, produced by George Miller, released by Roadshow Film and Warner Brothers. So, quite a step up from where. Uh, the original film had uh, come from 
released on July 10th, 1985, with a budget of $10 million and a box office of $36 million. Yeah, I when I you know wrote down that it was a box office thirty six million, I thought that was wrong on Wikipedia, and then I go to another source. I'm like, oh, it only made thirty six million dollars worldwide. That's weird, but it, it only made a few million dollars in Australia alone. Yeah, so we had definitely reached a Mad Max saturation. You know, just like they're just kind of tired of it, and it, it probably more than likely it was all the dystopian films that were coming out. I was like, how are they tired of it? There's one. No, this is the third. I, yeah, most people in America didn't know about the third. But but it made most of its money here. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I mean, I, I just think at this time in 1985, I think everyone was tired of it. And at this point, it was all the Italians coming out with dystopian films because it was cheap. Most of them aren't about artistic you know, expression. <laughs> it's just like, produce this shit, get it out there into the the wild west which is the vhs market at this time and i just think probably also word of mouth probably wasn't great for this one i wonder what released at the same time when you see a dip like that like what was it going against we haven't looked that up and i don't think we're gonna do it now but yeah i don't know you know we're talking about artistic expression i mean yeah we don't care about our artistic expression we just want to see boobies bouncing around and stuff blowing up i mean that's yeah yeah well there's one of those two things in this yeah, I don't think there is. There's no nudity in this, mm -hmm. right? It's the same way as the other ones, but this one has even less. Ooh, July 1985. Let me read to you what came out in July 1985. Holy shit. Uh, this might explain some things. Uh, number one for July 1985 is Back to the Future. With oh. $71 million. Mm -hmm. uh, number two in July is cocoon at 34 million dollars such a good movie fucking wilford brimley yeah <laughs> and then number three is pale rider at 30 million dollars okay you know that's that's your, a that's your dad's too. film at that time um maybe a little bit of your grandpa and number four is rambo first blood part two at 29 million oh nice uh woo. and then number five is mad max beyond thunderdome at 26 million uh, and then, I mean, that was just in July, so I'm sure it crossed over a little bit into August. That's how we got like our $30 million from the U.S. And then number six for fun is St. Elmo's Fire. And number seven is E.T. Wow. <laughs> oh, Jesus. E.T. still made $21 million, And wow. I believe E.T. came out at the end of May and it was still in theaters. Yeah, wow. I know 85's got some bangers. Like wow. really, really good movies came out in 85. That's why I was like, I wonder. Oh, number eight what... is the Goonies. <laughs> wow. Holy you're bringing God. back some good memories. Cause as a, we went to like at least three, we went to, went to this movie. We went to Rambo and went to the Goonies as a family on the end cocoon too. So we were going to the movies a lot back then. They took you to Rambo. Oh yeah. We were like, I mean, 1985, you were at least 19 years old, right? You know, getting there, they're just like. <laughs> I was a month and a half old when this movie released. I just want like some type of banjo to play when we make fun of <laughs> Brad just being a little bit older. Like, yeah. are you? Just... Are you one or two? Steven. Me? Yeah. I was uh, two, uh, three. 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 I was eighty-two. Yeah. Old man river. Less than two months old. Man, so we must have been going to the movies like about every weekend. You're reading off well, that list there because I think we went to almost all those. Well, back then it was like four dollars. So, <laughs> and we sneak in food too. Oh yeah, man! I when my kids are going, I mean they don't even care if you bring food now. 
Like mm. I've literally seen people just bring a bag from Walmart and walk right in. They don't give a fuck. They're like, no. hey, at least you bought a ticket. So I taught my kid very early to sneak snacks in. I would yeah. put them in his jacket because nobody will catch it or check his jacket. And I was like, just don't say we got them. But <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing that's like is a courtesy is just don't bring in the same candy as they have. That's my that's kind of my my bias. I just like just bring the candy that they don't have. And then you have an excuse. You're like, listen, I really wanted this. You didn't have it. Justify it however you want, bud. Yep, yep. That's how I sleep at night. <laughs> All right. Well, after looking through what in the box office here, uh, who, who was starring in this bad boy? Okay, so we got Mel Gibson back for the third time as Mad Max Rakotansky, the lone warrior, the former MFP officer who was an officer before the collapse of society. We've got Tina Turner as Auntie Entity, the ruthless, determined ruler of Bartertown. Uh, she was great. She had tremendous charisma on 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 screen there. Yeah, I was impressed too. Frank Thring is the collector. He's the trade and network uh, administrator who's just weird and gross and awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Angelo Rosito as the master, diminutive former engineer, uses his technical skills to build the methane extractor, which uh, provides Bartertown with its energy. So he was, I loved him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We're going to play him later on. You got Paul Larson as Blaster, the enormous silent bodyguard who goes into Thunderdome with Max. Uh, has an intellectual disability. It's revealed later on. Yeah, and I noticed everywhere they put that description that he had an intellectual disability instead of actually saying what the actor has. I thought that was interesting. We'll talk about it when we get to it in the scene. Is that face we see, is that the actual actor? I didn't look it up. It no, always, no. So it's yeah, a, I was it's like, a, it always looks different. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's two different actors. The problem is I don't know which one's which because it's just kind of confusing when you start to do some research on it. All right. And then we got our old buddy Bruce Spence back. But he's not the gyro captain this time. He is the marauding pilot. It must be his twin brother in this one. Yeah. Did you guys read? I mean, we can talk about it later. Did you yeah. read what that was about? Mm-hmm. That's weird. I don't know if that's a very good move by them, but okay. Right. Got Helen Boudet as Savannah Nix, one of the oldest members of the isolated primitive tribe of teenager child survivors of the plane crash, like uh, akin to the Lost Boys for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, but has seen Peter Pan. You got Angry mm-hmm. Anderson as Iron Bar Bassey, the Bartertown security, kind of head of security there, auntie's top henchman, and he's angry. Well, he's got short man anger. I was like, is that Featherhead? The guy with the, the hair piece yeah. floating above his head yeah. the whole time? Yeah. It's like that. That dude's got to be like what five two? He's he's short. It's camera tricks. He's he's six five. He's looking to <laughs> just scrap with everybody. You know, he's one of those guys. Um, then we got Robert Grubb as Pig Killer, the convict who is down in the in the underworld there for killing a pig to feed his family, and uh, he spends his day shoveling pig feces into the methane refinery. Refinery. And his teeth are gnarly, but man, it's perfect for his character. That dude just like whatever it takes to survive. Oh. Those are some gross teeth. <laughs> but I mean, that's what you expect from this type of world. Like a yeah. lot of these gross people. Like I love George Miller's it's casting. I don't know who does it with him. I don't know if he's had he's worked with the same people over and over or whatever it is. But man, he gets good casting for all these films. You need people that look weird. Like nobody has dental care. You're right. You know, he does, because I yeah. still remember we went to this movie when I was a like, little kid as a family. 
And I still remember these characters. I remember the pigs because mm-hmm. I, I hate pigs. I'm scared of pigs. Ooh. And uh, and uh, yeah, we went to the family, and I still remember these characters. So he does a great job at just hiring people to just make memorable characters. I love our rational fears on this show. We've got Brad with pigs now, and we've got me with snowmen. So it's just like, what? <laughs> we need to make a movie and finance a movie with pigs, clowns, and snowmen. I got heights. Oh, yeah, you have two. What was yours? Heights. I just don't like heights like a normal person. On the top of a skyscraper. I have weird uh, height problems. It's not so much being high. Like, I can be in a skyscraper. That's fine. I can be on a bridge and everything like that. I have it when it's like, um, so a lot of Capitol buildings have this where they have like the giant circle cut out and you can look down, you know, and you're always like the second or third floor. When I look down at like stuff like that. Oh, like a rotunda? Yeah, it yeah. fucking freaks me out. One yeah. of the ones where it affects me the most is Capitals. And we went to, in New Orleans, there's a World War II museum. And you go around these like bridges uh, way, way up to see all the planes and everything from World War II that they have hanging. Beautiful museum. That made my knees buckle a couple times. I was like, I can't. I don't know oh. if I can do this, guys. And I made it, but it was not my prettiest site. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh. A good buddy of mine works there. He, um, yeah. does quite a bit down there and okay. uh, it's an awesome museum. Maybe I'm oh. not afraid of heights listening to that. I mean, yeah. like when I'm in a scissor lift or climbing on something that's like 30 mm-hmm. feet in the air, I don't like that. I'm telling you, it's not rational. My fear of heights. It's not like, uh, like I can get up on my roof. I don't care. I'll hold your hand whenever you need. I just have a fear that, the bridge is going to fall or like the fence is going to like give way and I'm going to fall. Like, I don't know what it is. It's very irrational. And I don't even know where it came from. Let's, let's talk about the VHS cover on this a little bit. I don't have it. I do have this movie. I just can't find them. But uh, this is the first one I remember that has like a painted cover. Do you guys remember this where it's got Tina Turner's hair like flowing in the background? I mean, we rented this the most as kids, and it was on TV the most. I It has the best cover out of all three of the original. Uh, it, it just says, you know, you got Tina Turner's hair all crazy in the background. It's, it's a painted portrait. And then you got Mad Max just looking handsome there, clearly a little bit older, and then a bunch of kids, which, I mean, for us, constantly watching something like The Goonies and other stuff like that, it's just like, you know, nom, nom, nom. Kids are going to eat that up. We're represented in Mad Max. Now, after when we're discussing this, a little bit different as an adult, but as a kid, this thing was easily my favorite of the Mad Max. Yeah, I guess relatable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they did that on purpose. We'll talk about that later. Brad's got some info on that. So, uh, but yeah, let me pull up the trailer here, and then we will watch this bad boy as a group. So, when is the first time? While well, I'm pulling this up, because it takes a little bit of time. Did we, you saw in the theater, right, Brad? Yeah. What about you, Chris? When was the first time you saw this? Same way, Legos and hanging out with my dad. Like, I I was two months old when this came out. I don't remember. I think we first rented this, uh, maybe, or I saw this on TV where it was cut, you know, cut down a little bit. I don't really remember. This was definitely one, though, I remember a lot watching it uh, when we got cable. It was on all the time. Probably on USA or whatever. So here we go. We own the tapes. All right, here we go. A warrior, auntie, lost everything looking for a deal. 
But he's just a raggedy man. <laughs> Today is necessary to kill a man. What are you paying? Vehicles. Feel if you want. Who's the bunny? Who run Barter Town? Master Blaster runs Barter Town. Okay, you said a fair fight. What do you mean by that? Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leaves. How do I get in there? That's easy. Big fight. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. This is Thunderdome. Death is listening. This wasn't part of the deal. No mercy. Well, ain't we a pair? Raggedy man. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's damn good. Yeah, how could you not watch that and go see it? Yeah. If that was the original trailer, because I know that's for the 4K release. Mm-hmm. But if that's how the original was edited, how could you not see it? Yeah, and did you notice, like, in that one, I, I think that's really close, uh, what we just watched, because uh, I checked out another one, which basically had the same start. They could have mm-hmm. changed a little bit. Do you notice there's nothing about the kids in there? Not a damn thing. No, because... I mean, it shows them on the hill, but it shows them on the cover, shows them on the hill. I mean, it's just, you know, like and then you can kind of see them there when they show the the final chase at the end. I was just like, yeah, because no one gives a shit about these kids. Yeah, it's not it's not Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and the Lost Boys. It's Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. So let's let's get into this film. So it starts out so good, too, in a way. Uh, because we get to Barter Town like what in like five minutes, if that, you know, Mad it shows Mad Max on his which I did not notice at first that he's on his car that he like kind of turned into a wagon. Like, yeah, wagon with like some camels. camels. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets shot by the 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 helipi- uh, the helicopter pilot, which I never realized it's a different character. I just thought he didn't really yeah. recognize him. Well, it's not even a helicopter like the I know, last it's one. It's a, not a it's a plane. He's playing this time. He upgraded. Yeah. So I assume too. I did not know that this actor was not playing. It's the same actor from Road Warrior, but he's playing two different characters. And there's a really weird story to that. I guess they're having a really hard time casting this character for the the pilot. And then they were well into shooting and just said, "Hey, let's you know reuse." Uh, what's his name? Um, Bruce, Bruce and Bruce Spence. And he's just like, you know, he'll just be a different character and, you know, we'll just whatever. We'll be fine with it, which I find so weird. That's so confusing to an audience. Yeah, I always thought it was just happenstance that he just runs into him and steals his stuff. Yeah, I thought he got, a uh, you know, a plane uh, and then had a kid with someone 
I always assume everybody in Road yeah. Warrior died or something. That's why he was on his own again. Yeah, and then he just went to Bartertown to live with his kid. But, you know, reading, actually doing research on this is like, no, it's not the same character. They just use the same actor. And I'm like, that's, <sighs> that's confusing. But yeah, Max immediately gets into Bartertown and it shows how smart he is. Cause he, you know, he rejects water cause he's got, you know, he's like reading the, Geiger. the, uh, the yeah. Geiger counter. Like he's just so smart and barter town's so cool. <laughs> Little radiation ain't going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's got some gnarly teeth too. <laughs> Dude. I, so I've watched this like four times since we, we took off a bit on accident. I've just kept watching this over and over. And that <laughs> the beginning is so so good there's just so many things and it builds a world like really really fast i just thought of something you know did any dentists survive the apocalypse mm, probably you can not. set up shop mm. in barter town and make bank if anyone's willing to spend money on it he's gonna trade for grain or two hours with a woman but yeah you're right like if there's yeah. like massive toothaches <laughs> and he's got to take care of it yeah he's gonna make yeah two hours of grain then <laughs> what did he pick he just spit in his hand, shook the guy's hand, and walked away. Yeah, I just remember, like, the, this is the first scene that I ever remember where someone's like, uh, give me all your weapons, and he's got a ridiculous <laughs> amount of weapons. Because, I mean, they did this in Last Action Hero, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Or something like, and then there's, there's another film. So this is the first one I ever remember, and this one's not even playing it as a joke. Well, it is a joke. But it reminds it, me of, like, Hot Shots. Just something they would do, like just keeps on loading everything and it's a big pile and he's like well doo -doo -doo. <laughs> yeah this feels like uhf did it too at, at one point but maybe it was hot shots i can't i think remember. i think mandalorian even did this i mean this movie yeah. series just influenced so many other movies in so many ways or, and... I, or it was a western i i feel like it might have been like well, a john yeah. wayne thing that happened in a movie and they just keep running with it it's funny. There's one thing that George Miller always, he's just like, basically, this is a Western on wheels, Western on wheels. It didn't change uh, his description of the film until we got to Fury Road, which we'll do next, where he, you know, he changes it up. But most of these are just Westerns. Like these two, you know, Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome is just like a mysterious person comes into the town who beats people's asses. That's, you know, the Western like archetype right there. I mean, it works. It's just a Western in the desert and Western on wheels, whatever. Love it. But yeah, he immediately gets sucked into this because the collector is just like, you know, hey, we got a job for you because he's so tough beating up people. And I think he chose the grain, by the way. Right. Who knows? It's a mystery. I was going to say that collector. Remember episode seven? Unfortunately, I still can't get it out of my mind. But remember when they're on Jakku and there's that uh, that character Simon Pegg plays that big, ugly alien is like, one half portion you know that's who it reminds me of i bet they were inspired by that yeah you're right that's the exact same character right there i was thinking barter town reminds me of star wars like yeah. vice versa I, this came out in 85 so the later star wars obviously could have got it from that or whatever but i think it it reminds me of just a busy intergalactic weird trade market where just shit's going on in the background all the time mm -hmm. And, you know, then we get introduced to Auntie. What is her name? Auntie, Auntie Entity. Is it Entity? Okay, I was just making sure because I wrote it and I was like, pretty sure it's. I don't remember him saying Entity at all. I don't remember her name at all. 
I remember Anti. Yeah. But Anti Entity uh, makes a deal with Mad Max where, uh, well, first, you know, she has to prove that he's strong. So they try to kill him and he beats the shit out of everyone. She's like, oh, you're the first one to pass the test. And basically she says, get down there, take care of Master Blaster, who runs the methane, uh, which creates electricity uh, so she can control all of Bartertown. I don't know anything about electricity. You can shovel shit, can't you? Yeah. It's <laughs> a great quote. Uh, yeah, so Max takes the deal. He's like, you know, and then, uh, which they're going to give him a bunch of shit, you know, <laughs> just like, here's all the crap that you can take. Uh, then go off and go to another town to kick ass. I guess that's what he's going to do. Hey, you glazed over your favorite scene, though. Are you talking about who runs Bartertown? Yeah. But who does run Bartertown? I don't even know. Oh, I got to pull it up. All right, here we go. We're going to play uh, Who Runs Bartertown. For God's sake, what now? Who run Bartertown? Damn it. I told you no more embargoes. More blaster. <laughs> Who run Bartertown? You know who. Say. Master Blaster. Say loud. Master Blaster. Master Blaster. What? Master Blaster runs Bartertown. Louder. Master Blaster runs Bartertown. Lift embargo. <laughs> what a little dick. <laughs> uh, he's funny. I do wonder why they gave him this weird way of speaking. I mean, they never really, they just, he just, that's how he does. Cause he used to be an engineer back when uh, the world was normal, you know? So I don't know if like he had a head injury and now he talks so weird. It's like, who run barter town? <laughs> Maybe he just wanted to be a weirdo and he's like, I can get away with it now. I can do whatever I want. I control electricity. <laughs> Let your freak flag fly. Yeah. Just do whatever you want. <laughs> plus, plus you got blaster back in your, you know, backing you up, which is just a humongous man who stands at like six foot five. I think that's what the actor was or something like that. It reminds me of big daddy and little sister or whatever from uh, Bioshock. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When you said Big Daddy, I immediately thought Adam Sandler. I'm like, what? <laughs> I want my own ass. <laughs> uh, that's one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> Especially, it's going to be really good in a couple years when my kid's that age or a year. I don't even know how old that kid was. But uh, yeah, that was pretty interesting because uh, the scene we just watched, it's when um, Mad Max gets captured by Master Blaster, pretty much finds out that he was sent down there to kill him. But uh, Mad Max gets away. And then, uh, you know, he has to challenge him to a fight. And I do love how Master Blaster, like, has, has no care in the world. He's just, like, walking down the street in a car. Or no, he's, like, riding it's, in a car or something. He's on Max's car. Oh, he's, he's like, on That's Max's my fucking car. car. Give me that back. <laughs> he's just, like, lounging back, smoking a cigar. The music's playing in the background. Yeah. I think he's drinking, too. I think he's drinking, smoking. Just like, woo. And then Max uh, challenges him to a fight. And uh, we get into uh, the uh, Thunderdome. Now we have a clip here, but uh, 
before I show this. Did you guys notice in the trailer? I because I forgot about this, where Auntie Entity just like flies down like from her chair from her office. Yeah. She's got a zip line. <laughs> She's got a zip line to Thunderdome. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> and there must be like deadly combat like on a daily basis there. She has a zip line to Thunderdome. Yeah. Like straight from her office. You have a dispute, you settle it in Thunderdome. So I guess the whole point was like Thunderdome was created so there's no more wars in the world. I'm like, this town's not that big. But I get I get it. Well, get their it. area at least. They're taking yeah. care of their own. So uh let's let's watch uh this this actor. The whole point of this, by the way, I guess I'll shut up set up the clip, is this is this guy who is clearly like a theater actor, just hamming it up and introducing the rules of Thunderdome and this I mean this might be my this whole thing might be the best scene of the entire movie. The inter- introduction of Thunderdome and then the fight, which is just nuts. So here we go. Listen on. Listen on. This is the truth of it. Fighting leads to killing. And killing gets to warring. And that was damn near the death of us all. Look at us now. Busted up and everyone talking about hard rain. But we've learned by the dust of them all, Barter Town's learned. Now when men get to fighting, it happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. now I've got two men two men with a gut full of fear ladies and gentlemen boys and girls dying times here <laughs> all right that's awesome Th- dude and then this part if you have to cut it even this is okay. great how he introduces them okay He's the ballcracker, death on foot. You know him, you love him. He's Blaster! The challenger, direct from out of the wasteland. He's bad, he's beautiful, he's crazy. It's... It's the man with no name. What a what an introduction. He's so good. And then we, during the, the intro scene, he's selling off the camels. And he's like, remember, this is the vehicle that sent Detroit broke. <laughs> <laughs> they got independent suspension, power steering, and no emissions control. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they entered the Thunderdome, which is pretty creative that they have like bungee cords kind of like bouncing them back and forth. And then they put a bunch of weapons on the roof, which is fantastic to see like a chainsaw and, you know, yeah. like spears and They're shit passing them hand over fist. Yeah. And then um, you, you spot the uh, the hammer, which is very crucial because Mad Max finds out early a little bit earlier in the film that uh, high pitched sounds 
basically affect Blaster quite a bit, uh, you know, immobilize him. And then he smacks him with a hammer a couple times and knocks off his helmet. And then we see an actor with Down syndrome is supposedly playing the Blaster character, uh, which I, you know, I thought this would lead to more of like a modern day kind of like people, uh, you know, disapproving of this. And maybe there is, but I didn't see much on it. It was just like, yeah, whatever. It was the 80s. I've never heard anything about it. They don't do anything wrong. Like, again, the disability handled in these movies is great. Everybody. Yeah, but people complain about a lot on Twitter. I know. Well, I don't go on Twitter. It's like it's basically just a bunch of people with. I'm not going to say that. I would say about uh, 70 percent of people on Twitter complain about everything. It's just a giant garbage heap of complaints. It's Yeah, it's like road rage, digital road rage, I would say. Yeah, so like 70 percent of people. There are some good Twitter follows there. There's a guy that lives up in Chicago called the My 70s Sports Show. He does a podcast, too, which is like pretty awesome. But fucking everyone does a podcast now. I know. So. Asshole can do that. But no, his is way better than ours. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's most of them. But uh, he, he is like tweets all the time about just like different culture and sports stuff and it's hilarious yeah there are good twitter feeds i'm sure i i don't know i don't check them out i i just finally left twitter i completely canceled my i just get uh, the the screenshots on facebook that's all yep (laughs) (laughs) somebody else can dig through all the crap but yeah yeah we we get a fight here and then they end up uh anti kills uh blaster with a couple arrows and then they they kidnap Max won't. And he was like, this wasn't yeah. part of our deal. And that's when Master finds out. Which, about the which deal. by the way, I don't remember her saying, like, you can only kill him if he's, you know, not handicapped. Like, what? Like, what was part? What part of the deal did she break? Uh, he, he, he just didn't know the facts. So then when he found out, I, I think she's right. He's you just pulled a boy. out. You pulled out of the deal, which is fine because you're like, fuck, I'm not going to kill this guy. Like, come on. Yeah. He should have said, hey, I should have put an amendment in the deal. <laughs> I don't like this. Uh, I don't like this. But it, what's crazy about it is they even have a rule for this, too. Like where, you, you know, you like break the rules. of Break a deal. Spin the wheel. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great. Same guy who introduces. Yeah, I fucking him. love this guy. Now, I I forgot what the hell it said on the wheel. Um, whoops. Uh. What was it oh, again? They send him out into the desert on a horse and a fucking hilarious, like, I don't know, gas station head like <laughs> thing. Yeah. Like so, a, a burger man. Yeah. So we got the, the possible outcomes of the wheel. Somebody wrote this down here were acquittal, amputation, you got auntie's choice, death, forfeit goods, gulag, hard labor, life imprisonment, spin again, underworld. Yeah, he got gulag. Gulag, yeah, which they uh, put a bottle of water in front of a horse and they put uh, Max on there with a giant head on backwards on the horse and then they just send him out in the desert to die. And that's where the movie ends. Yep. All right. And we're done. All right. Uh, time to move on to the museum. Uh, no, unfortunately, we have like another 45 minutes. Uh, well, I would say about 30 minutes of nonsense coming up here because he just wanders into... Actually, I I'm going to I'm going to complain about this scene. Uh, so I, I get like how Gulag is funny and everything like that. But if you're in a dystopian future, there's no fucking way you're wasting a horse. There is no way they're unless, way too valuable. Unless they figured out a way to just breed the shit out of them. Another pest. 
I don't know, but they were sitting there selling those camels like they were big deals. So I'm assuming horses are big deals, too. I didn't see a lot of horses there. They need water. Camels don't need that many. I also have another complaint about that. We are like 30 minutes, 40 minutes into this film. Other than the plane, there's no there's really been no running vehicles. Zero. This is a Mad Max film. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So I was like, oh, what the fuck's the vehicles? Uh, They try to make up with that in about 30 minutes. But uh, yeah, he's in the middle of the desert. Clearly, you know, his horse is dead. He's dying. And some uh, teenage girl. I don't know what age she was here, 16, 18, whatever, finds him and then brings him back. Her name was Savannah Nix, which I think was an actress and a singer in Australia at the time or still is. I don't know. But uh, yeah, (laughs) so we find out that there's just an oasis of kids who are living in paradise. This is when Peter Pan starts or Lord of the Flies. Uh, Yeah, I could see Lord of the Flies. I could see definitely the Lost Boys. Or I guess you could say the lost sand people because it's boys and girls. And I noticed one teenage girl was knocked up. So I was like, mm, guys, well, I guess they got to reproduce. So, But they didn't say whose dad that was. That's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, which one of these teenage boys knocked up this girl? Which one? Couldn't find out which. But uh, yeah, they, so they come up with an entire story of what happened. And uh, they think Mad Max is the pilot that they were in like a 747 that crashed. And I guess that's how all their people somehow found an oasis in the desert, which would be incredibly valuable. Barter town's only like a mile away. They just fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. We got these kids who tell this like ridiculous story of uh, like a pilot who sort of kind of looks like Mad Max from, I don't know what those are called that the kids were looking at the little flip things, you know, where you have pictures and like the light shows you the pictures. I remember those as kids. Yeah, the little click pictures, like mm-hmm. binoculars. I don't know what they were called ever. View, it's view of something. View, yeah. View, light not view, a viewfinder. I don't know. But these kids make an entire story up about how tomorrow, tomorrow, what is it? It's tomorrow, Morrowland, which is just a city. I think it's a cool s- story. Yeah, like it, it was done well, and it's cool how the kids are like call or what's it call and recall. They're just telling the story together. And it, I, th- I think it's cool. It just doesn't fit. No, well, I think it belongs in a whole different fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I think how they're mispronouncing some of those words, too. That's what people would do mm-hmm. after being in isolation like that, because you don't have anyone yeah. to tell you how to say it right. So eventually you're going to develop your own language. Yeah, there's a lot of attention to detail that's really nice in this Oasis of Kids. It's just a total derailment from the movie and the main storyline. And this reminds me, the way Thunderdome was introduced, you know, like the big climax of this film is like 30 minutes in. This reminds me a lot of episode one of Star Wars where they had the pod racing like 45 minutes into the film. You're like, that's fucking great. And then you're like. Oh, we got to go through this slog of the trying to get the senator out and stuff before we get to a big fight. I thought you were going to talk shit on pod racing. I was like, that gave us one of the best 64 games ever. Yeah, I was like, what do you I mean, that that was the climax of the film before the other climax of the film that like wasn't that good. You know what I mean? It was like, ah, okay. And you tried, I guess. But there's just so much in this I don't care about. 
what if he just would have been saved by one of the kids and they're like, hey, our other friends left for Barter Town. And he's like, fuck, don't go to Barter Town. And he just would have went after him. Like, who gives a shit about Tomorrow Morrowland in, the, in this film? That's great for another film. This is boring. Yeah, yeah, it, it takes you right out. It's awful. I, so I remember when we were talking about, I don't know if it was the first one or the second Mad Max, that we're like, oh my God, George Miller has no fat on these movies. They're just so lean and fat. Wrong, wrong. This is like a hunk of fat. Like I think it's it's directed well and shot good and looks good, but it just doesn't. Yeah. But just stretch Barter Town out longer, and that should have been the entire movie. But yeah. there's a reason why it's two movies. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brad, we might as well spill the beans. Oh, yeah. Um, this film was originally not a Mad Max film, but it was a post-apocalyptic kind of Lord of the Flies film about a tribe of children who are found by an adult. It became the third Mad Max film when George Miller was suggesting that Max is the man who finds the children. So that's why this movie is so much is tonally so much different than the rest of them. The first chunk was written as a Mad Max movie, mm -hmm. and then he fit the other the last half in with it. It sure sounds like it. I mean, they did that with Saw 2. That's why Saw 2 is so different than Saw 1, because it was so popular. Yeah, they had to get it. They, like, raced it into production, right? Yeah, they're like, here's a, a story that's similar. It could be really cool if it was Jigsaw. Can you just do this as Jigsaw? And they're like, yeah, sure. Mad Max ends up helping the other kids, because uh, Savannah Nix and them want to run away, and he says, don't do it. Stay here. This You got a great life here, which he's right. But these, you know, kids are kids. Uh, they're stupid. And uh, they try to leave, they capture him, and then they, they escape capture, and then they fucking take off in the desert. Mad they Max. Get ate by a Sarlacc. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he takes a bunch of kids, and then they go to save the kids, and we go back to Barter Town uh, when the movie picks back up, because Barter Town's fucking interesting. Uh, and they end up rescuing, well, with help from the prisoner, they end up rescuing uh, Master who is the engineer uh, and the only, you know, half left of Master Blaster, which is, by the way, a great like concept for a character, Master Blaster, where you have two people, one's Blaster, one's Master. Because uh, we've seen like the little guy being helped by the big guy and the little guy's always smart. We've seen that dozens of times. But the name in this is what makes it great. Plus that ridiculous way that Master is talking. Just a great character. Uh, but I mean, that's what George Miller does. And, uh, you know, I don't in the what was the writer's name in this? Terry, Terry Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. I mean, those two coming up with these characters and then everyone like casting them and, you know, who knows what the actors brought to themselves. Like, God, man, there's one thing you know, even better than George Miller's casting. His characters are so memorable in every movie. Mm hmm. Like Toe Cutter master blaster and then furiosa and then like all these characters throughout this lord like, humongous yeah lord humongous there's just and so Morton many joe fucking anti yeah it's like so good uh and he really you can tell lets his uh, actors just like explore he just opens a playbook for him and just like go whatever you want whatever you think is going to pull off the best performance I, I think he's great at just finding people he wants to put into a role and he's like turns him loose do your thing i hired you to, i hired you to be you it's it's the end of the world like what do you have to hide you're it's a raw nerve just go uh just i mean he's they're good 
there's so much in this film that's really good. Uh, so the kids and everything, they they save Blaster and they run off in a what what vehicle is? It's a train truck car. It's a train. It's just all hodgepodge together, you know, Mad Max. Now, I wasn't fully paying attention at one point in this. Uh, I just see that Master is now wearing like old, like railroad. I don't know what the fuck he's in. He's a Cabbage Patch doll eventually. Yeah, I was like, what? What is this? He's wearing like old timey clothes. I guess he found something in there. And, you know, you've got the... um, prisoner who helped him escape who is the the pig you know shit slinger uh he's driving the truck and uh yeah then they're chased by auntie and all of her goons and everything and it picks up this movie picks up a little bit for like a good 10 minutes it's a fun chase scene they're doing a bunch of inventive yeah, we got like chase stuff jumping. but at this point it's too little too late i was just like i'm bored yeah, they even got our mandatory harpoon that they use, but... Um... Yeah. This is a stick-up! <laughs> Nobody moves! That kid, I don't really like him. This is a funny moment, but like he makes no fucking sense in this film. Yeah, he's only in it in like four minutes. I know, it's just dumb. Like, what are you doing? I'm gonna be honest, like, I don't like this film. <laughs> like, I like the first 30 minutes. But the rest ruins the film for me. I'm like, this is so bad. I'd still rather watch this than like most movies. But <laughs> Well, I tell you, someone who disagrees with you is Roger Ebert. He loved this movie. I know. I saw that too. You know, Roger Ebert's the same guy. Like when he was on a date with Oprah, he advised Oprah to put her show into syndication. Which kind of put her on her way. And like, that was kind of Oprah before I met my wife was kind of my dream woman. I was like, you know, if it couldn't have been you, it would have been Oprah. (laughs) What? (laughs) If it wasn't for you, I would have married that rich Oprah. (laughs) Oprah, can I go? I need to go buy a European soccer team. She's like, okay. Yeah, that that woman that gives prizes away to people that nobody can pay the, the prize tax on and they get them taken away before they leave the studio. That lady? Same lady, right? Like, you get a prize, and you get a prize. <laughs> it only costs you $7,000 before you leave. What's the name of her partner? I don't think they ever got married. Uh, Stedman? Stedman. Yeah. Stedman? Okay. I was, that was close. Uh, he's just like, that Brad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so they run into the pilot, which has got a nice little hiding place down in his little sand, I don't know, bunker. Uh, and then he's got to help them and it's too heavy. So Mad Max, he can't get the plane off the ground because it's too heavy with all the kids. So Mad Max takes a vehicle and runs it into the other people so they can take off. Okay. That's how it ends. The The big question, it's not really that great of an ending. It's just like, okay. Uh, the one question I have, why the fuck did she let him go? Uh, she had fun. Thought he was a good warrior or whatever. And I was like, nah. Another time, buddy. I don't. I don't thanks know. For, thanks for burning my town. You know, blowing my town to pieces. And you notice that she was the only person, the first person, anyway, in these movies that has an American accent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Well, I mean, the the first film was ADR to shit, but that we won't count that. Uh, if you, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I'm sitting here like kind of tripping over my words because I'm like, fuck. I don't think anyone else did have an American accent. We do have to acknowledge how good she was. She was great. Yeah, she 
passed after we already had this all planned. Yeah, we were uh, going to record the night she passed, but uh, Chris uh, has decided to start taking Kung Fu after his inspiration of uh, Miami Connection. <laughs> and, um, they, you know, that pissed off the group. Uh, I'll be honest. His Kung Fu is kind of becoming the Yoko of our group. Um, <laughs> am I comparing us to the Beatles? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. I hit my head real hard because I don't remember much of that week. But uh, yeah, that's amazing. You know, we were going to record that week and then she dies. And I was like, fuck, we killed another one. Yeah. Yeah. We should it's retire us. the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Or I was thinking mathematically when you do things that are older than me. Don't get logic average, in here. We fucking killed her. Okay. The, the most Just the accept are going to either be dead or be close to dying. At some I don't point. like what we did. We just have to accept we did it. Okay. Don't get in here with your woke liberal bullshit. <laughs> Reading your books and whatnots. I can't read. <laughs> the books on the shelf are for show and they have pictures I can look at. <sighs> Don't tread on me. All that shit. That's how we think. Okay. We watch VHS. Don't, I hate your logic, Chris. I hate it when you get all nice and logical. <laughs> You know, I was just thinking, I was like, actually, a lot of people are probably in their 70s and 80s, so they're going to be shut up. That's <laughs> a treatment, but light. <laughs> it got a little better because it got really warm. And now it's like, <laughs> there's actual flavor in this Bud Light. It's just all bad. That's one of the superpowers of Bud Light is you can drink it a little <laughs> bit warm. You know, it's like, it's like all they need to do to advertise Bud Light is say, this is a decent beer that doesn't cost much money. You know, get you drunk and you maybe you'll hook up later. That's all yeah, they need. Like, that's all they need to do. It's it's so bad. I I was like, man, I kind of want to go buy some of it right now. To, you know, really own the libs. And then I was like, hey, Bud Light just tastes like shit. Yeah. I don't care about it. The the best part to derail this podcast before we get into recommendations and the uh, the, the, the the fuck uh, before recommendations in the museum is uh, one of the funniest things the marketer for Bud Light was saying one time. It's just like. Well, we thought we wanted to get. Now, this has nothing to do with the can that they released. It was just a can. They didn't make a commercial they, out of it. They gave anything. the one person that released one post. Yes. But to explain all this away, she went on for interviews and she happened to say, like, we want to make Bud Light more sophisticated. I'm like, Bud Light's not sophisticated. You're not going to start selling this to like people who are like, hmm, after a great day at the library, I want to go and drink some Bud Light. Mm. Yeah, no, I, don't want my, no. I don't want my World War II ration beer. No, <laughs> it's fucking it's you take it camping because it's cheap. And if you drop some of it, you know, off of your raft when you're going down a river, who gives a fuck? OK, we went camping recently and we did the opposite. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I drank more in a day than I have in two years. It's just water at that point. Like that's that's why you drink it cold because when it's really warm, you can really taste the flavor. It's awful. It's so bad. I'm doing this for all of you. As you can tell, I barely drink any of this. I'm not really drinking. It. Oh, Bud Light. But if you want to sponsor us, um, whatever you know. Hey, maybe maybe you know on our next uh, franchise, it will be Bud Light sponsoring us after all these nice things we said but uh yeah so they go on to sydney and start telling their tales of mad max and how he helped them escape blah 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 movies over recommendations chris i'm gonna start you off what'd you think i love the whole 
every ounce of Mad Max. So yes, but after that first bit, the rest of the movie sucks for a bit, and then it gets back to good. So I recommend it, but I I wish it was just the the first half an hour. Brad, do you recommend Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome? I do. Just realized, though, out of the four movies, this is number four. There's a steep chasm between number three and four. And this is by far the weakest. Not Weak isn't the right word to use. The other ones would be 1A, 1B, 1C. This would be four. So it's a big gap. If you could only watch three, skip this one of the four Mad Maxes. That's another way uh, of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't really recommend this. Uh, I recommend... 50 percent of this yeah just treat it like a short yeah just skip the kids they don't mean anything they're just like you know plot bait to get them back to barter town i don't like uh. it would have been more enjoyable if more of them would have like got sucked into the sand pit but the sarlacc sarlacc or he met the kids and he helped them and then like barter town people came in immediately and just like eradicated like 75 percent of them if that would have been the conflict is barter town was coming for their oasis yeah, it would have been better. It would have been way different. Yeah. Or like Master is stuck and they're like, they're going to kill him if he does. He's just like, I know where an oasis is. And then, you know, something like that, we can, you know, tie into it. Just kill the kids. That's basically what Steve's saying here. Kill the kids and then uh, the story will be better. No, fuck them kids. Yeah, fuck them. Uh, just, God, I hate those. Anyway, uh, final thoughts before we go into the museum. From production notes, Tina Turner ended up winning an image award from the NAACP after this. So, what is that? It's an award. I don't know. I don't know anything else. I don't... <laughs> but is it? It's like best picture. Did you research that? Uh, probably like best actress or just best image in the major motion picture. So, well, she did great. Yeah, she was actually a very fun character, uh, and she goes down pretty good as in the long line of very memorable villains throughout this series she's not the best but that's certainly not saying she's not good she is she's definitely one of the shining stars in this entire film i think pretty much all the major characters are all yeah the same level Mm -hmm. they're just slightly different than each other except savannah nicks and the kids yeah yeah all right let's go into the museum This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back to our Mad Max wing of the museum, which is right next door to the Mel Gibson wing of the museum, which uh, is, is a very nice wing. There's no angry drunk rants or anything like that. Everybody's welcome. I'm going to jump ahead. I'm going to steal it from all of you. Uh, I'm putting in Master Blaster. Boom. I know it's two characters, but I just loved them. I loved <laughs> who runs Barter Town? Who runs Barter Town? Master runs Barter Town. Master Blaster runs Barter Town. Louder! <laughs> I love him. I love that character. Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorites. Uh, all right. Uh, Brad, what do you got? The soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good one. I can stand behind that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great song when your stuff is getting covered by all these other bands, too. Like that, we don't need another hero. They do that like in Kids Bop. They do like metal bands cover that. I mean, this it's all over the place still. And I looked it up. It wasn't Danny Elfman. 
that did the soundtrack either with her. I mean, when they're in Thunderdome, that whole like kind of circusy thing that they do, that sounds so Danny Elfman mm-hmm. inspired. But I mean, how many films had he done at this point in 1985? Wasn't didn't Batman come out in 85 or 84? No, no, no. Batman came out in 89. What? Yeah, that was 89. I don't know how many he did then. Uh, I mean, he did one of the, yeah, he did Pee Wee, but I think Pee Wee was like 86, 87, right? Yeah, it was after this. Yeah. So I, I don't, hmm, maybe Danny Elfman hadn't even started yet. Maybe Danny Elfman watched this film. He's like, I like that. I like what you're doing there. <laughs> oh, that's a cool sound. Yeah, it's Maurice Jara and Terry Britton and Graham Lynn, Holly Knight, Brittany Lee. All right. Good job. How about you, Chris? What do you got? Uh, the announcer guy. Oh, yeah. Good call. He's got three scenes in this and he needed more. I mean, that guy's doing everything. What a what a hustler. What a go-getter. I mean, that guy's probably selling waterbeds, too, like after that thing's over. <laughs> the man with no name. He reminds me of like a, a snake oil salesman going through town. Oh, just, yeah. He's like, you know yeah. what you need to get a good night's sleep is a nice waterbed. Radiation helps the bones. <laughs> he definitely traveled from the north down to the south to sell people, you know, like medical oils, <laughs> quote unquote. Of course, then again, he was Australian, but whatever, whatever. That'll end it this week. Thanks for coming by and listening to our Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome review. Chris, give them our social medias. Oh, we have a Facebook group, just Analog Jones. Uh, We have an Instagram at Analog Jones TOF. And again, this is probably out in time for Indiana on the Indianapolis, Indiana. On the 24th, we're going to most likely it looks like just hanging out uh dead formats they've been posting in the group too so they've seen us so so check it out it's it's awesome that's gonna be so much fun they're having a wrestling match there which is fucking great and so unexpected (laughs) and they're showing surprise movies about cannibalism and stuff it looks like i saw the best part of the whole wrestling match is like the vendors are choosing the weapons (laughs) i was like okay that's awesome i love it that's great I fucking that's that'll really attract some people. That'll be fun. Uh, we'll be spending some money. Uh, Chris will be doing some kung fu, probably. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a little bit of a problem in the group. But uh, Brad, final words before we say goodbye. Thanks to our sponsors, MidwestHomeJigglos.com. <laughs> they are they're a great sponsor. I mean, they really get me off. So <laughs> if you're lonely one night and you need jigglos, I mean, it's an easy form to fill out online and just pay with your credit card, and they'll be there in less than an hour. I made up the hour thing. I don't actually know. It'll be there there in less than an hour or it's free. Yeah, it's a a free gigolo. I mean, how can you beat that? Anyway, remember to be kind. (laughs) And rewind. That's the closest we've ever got.